Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord? Amen. Today we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number four. As you stand, I want to say something I haven't said in a long time just to remind you. Uh, church was never meant to be a test of endurance. So we stand quite a bit around here. and Most of us like it. We enjoy it. Uh, it helps us focus. We feel like we are honoring God uh, when we stand. But we also understand that some people can't stand as long as others can. So I just want you to know we never want this to be a test of endurance for you. And so you stand when you can. And when you can't, we understand. All right? Is that okay? Amen. We're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 4, and we're going to read verses 9 through 12 today. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, again reading with verse number 9. The wisdom writer Solomon said these things. He said, two people are better off than one. Why? For they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily Broken. Father, I thank you one more time for your incredible, your infallible, your miracle-working, life-altering, life-changing word. God, I pray once again the anointing will be upon the message, the messenger. Give us ears to hear. Father, may we receive your word. May we put in effect what we receive today. All for the glory of God we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You can be reseated. This morning. Well, today we are beginning a brand new series I'm calling Better Together. Say better together. better together. Solomon, the man with the gift of wisdom, said that life is much better when you share it with other people. At the Grace Place, we agree with Solomon. As our church has grown and as it continues to grow, we must be much more intentional. If we are going to continue to be personal and, key and get people connected. Now, the way that we try to do this at the Grace Place is through what we call C-groups. C-groups. Now, C-groups are small groups of people, usually between five and seven family units, around 15 to 20 people. That is the ideal size that we shoot for in our C-groups. Now, each C group has a leader, but we don't want this driven by the leader. We want everyone in the C group to take care of each other in the group. That is our desire. Now, C groups are designed for a dual purpose, and they are caring and community. Caring and community. Now, you need to understand that community is the new buzzword for fellowship. Well, this morning as we began this new series, I'm going to talk to you about, about the first aspect of C-groups, and that is about caring. I want to talk about caring, because you see, I have a pastor's heart. Uh, I genuinely care for the people that God places under my leadership. I, I, I take it very, very seriously. 
Um, I am uh, not just a preacher. Yes, I am a preacher and I work diligently at preaching, but I'm not just a preacher, but I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. I'm, I'm a shepherd. Uh, I have the heart of a father. But here's the problem. The problem is there's 800 people or so who call the Grace Place their church. Now, now understand, understand that some of these 800, some of them come every Sunday. I mean, every time the doors are open, they're here every, every Wednesday. They're here for every event. Some come every Sunday, and some come Easter and Christmas. But all of them look to us uh, for help in meeting their needs. And, and because of that, one man can't meet all of the needs. There's absolutely no way that I, one person, can meet all the needs of 800 or so people. Uh, not even with an incredible staff that God has blessed me with. Because I care and because I understand the size of the task, C groups have been put in place and leaders have been trained. See, I cannot care for all of the people all by myself, but together, say together. Together we can get the job done because we are better together. Together we can care for one another. So I want to talk about caring for just a little while this morning. You might say, Pastor, why should I be involved in C groups? You're talking about C groups, you're you're promoting C groups today. Why should I be involved in C groups? Why should I lead a group or why should I join a group? Well, because this is how we care for our people. This is the system, this is the method, this is the way, this is the means uh, at the Grace Place. It is through C groups that we care for our people. And so it's very, very important that everyone gets involved in a C group, and it's very important that that you are willing, many of you are willing to, to lead a C group. You say, well, Pastor, why is caring so important? Why are you asking so many questions this morning? Well, let me give you three reasons this morning. Let me give you three reasons why caring is so important. The first reason I'd like to give you this morning is, and that is, it's a priority. Caring is a priority. Scripture clearly teaches it. See, see, God created man with with a natural desire for both care and community. See, God has placed within man a deep-seated need to love and be loved. See, man longs to be needed. Man longs to be appreciated. Man longs to be cared about by other people. Man has a desperate need to experience physical touch from other human beings. Man needs to feel that he matters to others, that man needs to know that somebody cares whether or not they're alive. And God understands this, and so God has always had systems in place to make sure that everyone gets cared for. See, C groups, that may be new to us, but it's not new to God, and it's not new to Scripture. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 28, it says that God placed the children of Israel in one of 12 tribes. God did this early on. 
God divided the Israelites into 12 groups, and each group had its own identity. And the people in these 12 tribes cared for one another. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27, God told Moses, and he told Moses through his father-in-law Jethro, Moses, that you, Moses you're trying to do too much. Moses, you're trying to, trying to do what is impossible for one man to do. Moses, the load that you're trying to carry is far too heavy for one man. Moses, you need to lighten your load, and you need to do it by delegating the care of God's people to others. Jethro said to Moses, you need to develop C groups. That's found in the BRV. Are you familiar with the BRV? That's the Benson Revised Version. Amen. In Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Jesus called 12 men to join his C group. And he called them disciples. And in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, C groups, leaders were called deacons. See, the early church had grown to the point that, that the pastors could no longer care for all of the needs. And so they divided the church into C groups and they appointed deacons to lead these groups. Pastor, why is caring so important? Because, because, first of all, Scripture clearly teaches it. God wants his people cared for. Amen. But not only does Scripture clearly teach it, but, but, but let me suggest this, and that is saints desperately need it. Amen. Psalm 142, verse 4, all the psalmist writes, and he says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one helped me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. I want you to notice that that was written by, by David, a man after God's own heart. Listen, listen, if David felt this way at this particular time in his life, can you even imagine how some people must feel? People are often drawn to church at a very critical and volatile time in their life. They are at a very critical stage or season. They are desperate for love. They are desperate for acceptance. They are desperate for understanding. And they are looking for two things. They are looking for care and they are looking for community. God told me five years ago, call your church the grace place. I want you to notice that God didn't say, call your place the judgmental place. He didn't say, call your church the set everybody straight place. He didn't say, call your church the law place. He didn't say, call your church the only perfect saints place. No, no, the Lord told me, and I heard it, I heard it so, so clearly in my heart and in my spirit. God says, call your church the grace place. Grace means unmerited love, favor, and acceptance. And I believe that's exactly what God is calling this church to be. I believe that's exactly what God wants the DNA of this church to be. And I want to tell you that nearly every single day I cry out to God to help us grow into our name. 
Because as kind as I can be this morning, I want to tell you that not all of us are as graceful as we ought to be. Not all of us are as loving. Not all of us show favor. Not all of us are as accepting as we ought to be. And nearly every day I cry out to God to help us grow into our name. I ask God to help me grow into it. The grace place where caring people care for people. See, see, I want the grace place to be an embracing place. I want us to be an embracing place, a place that embraces all colors, all races, all cultures, all generations. I want this church to become a caring place. Genuine love and acceptance and inclusion is felt by everyone. I want it to be a place where God can trust us to send the hurting. Listen, God is not going to send the wounded. He's not going to send the broken. He's not going to send the hurting. Amen. To some judgmental, look down your nose, uh, kind of law, kind of people. It's only going to be those that, that have a graceful heart and a graceful, accepting, receptive kind of spirit and heart and attitude. And I pray, God, God, help us become who you've called us to be. God, help us to become a place where you can trust us to love and to nurture and be a family for those that have been rejected by their own. Psalm 68 and 6 says, God places the lonely in families. I'm telling you, we're living in a lonely world. We're living in a hurting world. Amen. We're living in in a world that's messed up. But instead of hammering, you know, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. And why don't you do this? And it's your fault. And let me show you my banner. Why not open our hearts and say, hey, we're here as a place that is safe for you to come. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to look down our nose at you. Are we going to wink at sin? Absolutely not. And if you believe that, you don't have any clue as to who I am. And you weren't here last Sunday. Grace doesn't mean I put my stamp of approval on your sin. Grace says, listen, listen, I'm a sinner too. Grace says, I'm lost too without Jesus. Grace says, I know what you're talking about because I got issues myself. Got to be real careful here. I could go from anointing to annoying really quick. Because I get really annoyed. Moving right along. (laughs) We're better together. People need to be cared for. Amen? Be cared for. A long time ago, I decided, Lord, I'll help you catch them, but you got to clean them. (laughs) Not my job cleaning you up. Some of you that, oh, I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. <laughs> Let me just say, like Jesus said, it's the old speck and boulder thing in the eye. That's what bothers me. Mm. 
Hey, not only is caring a priority, suggest number two, it's, it's a privilege. See, see, I'm not one of those pastors who gets together with other pastors and has a holy or unholy huddle and sings the blues about ministry. Talks about how bad their deacons are and how bad their church members are and how bad every. I'm not one of those pastors that gets together with other pastors and sings the blues about ministry. I love the ministry. Now, I'll admit I love it more some days than I do other days. I have my struggles, I have my frustrations, I have my aggravations, just like everybody does, just like is in in every profession of life. But I still believe that taking care of God's people is a privilege. We should be honored to feel called to do God's work. And by the way, we, we are all called to do the work of the Lord. See, there's much more to God's work than just preaching and singing. Let me give you two reasons why caring is a privilege. First of all, it's a privilege because we get to represent Christ. Oh, you didn't get that. I said, I said, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to care because in caring, we actually get to represent Christ. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples two by two. He sent them out to represent him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28, Paul writes and he says, You are Christ's body. Each of you are a particular part. And he goes on to say, Some of you are apostles, others are prophets, others are, are teachers. He says, some have the gift of healing. He said, some have the gift of helping. Oh, we hear a lot about, you know, some of these other things like apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and all that. But listen, Paul says there's a thing called the gift of helps or the gift of helping. And oh, God, how we need the gift of helps in the body. How, oh, how we need the gift of helping others in the church. He went on to say some have leadership gifts. And then he went on and said some have the gift of tongues. And I would say some have long ones. (laughs) Just trying to keep you awake. Paul said that every saint is a part, a part of the body of Christ. Listen, we need to understand that each body part is important. It don't matter. I don't know what your body part is. I, you know, what is, but yours is different than mine, and mine is different than yours. But each body part is important, and each body part is dependent on all the other body parts. And each body part has its own particular and specific function. Several years ago, one of the deacons in my church told the story of his father. Now, his father was a man of God. His father was a minister. His father uh, spent a lot of time fasting and praying and studying Scripture. His father was used in, in, in miracles and, and, and in healings. And, 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 and many people come to Christ uh, through this man's father. His father was a genuine man of God. And one day, his father was praying, and he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, your, Paul says that we're our 
all a part of the body. Lord, what part of the body am I? Lord, would you show me what part of the body am I? And the Lord told this man, you're the big toe. And he was offended. He said, what do you mean, God? I'm the big toe. God, I'm your man of faith and power for the hour. God, I've done miracles in your name, God. Multitudes of people have come to Christ through my ministry. Lord, I'm always fasting. I'm always praying. I'm always listening to you. I'm always talking to you, God. And you tell me in the body, I'm the big toe. And he said, the Lord said, the big toe gives balance to the body. And he said, I'm the big toe. I give balance to the body. Actually, we are pretty limited and basically useless on our own. Take your hand, for instance. Didn't God do good with the hand? I mean, he just did especially good with the hand, didn't he? So much, you know, you can do with your hand. It's absolutely amazing with my hand. I can wave at you. Hey, Raphael. How you doing, buddy? With my hand, I can, I can comb my hair. With my hand, I can, I can tie my shoes. It's amazing. With my hand... I can feed myself. I mean, my hand even helps me dance. You know, I mean. Now you know why I'm a preacher, not a dancer. But, but let me ask you this this morning. What if my hand wasn't attached to my arm? What if my hand was just laying there on the table? My hand couldn't, couldn't tie my shoes laying on that table. My, my hand couldn't feed me laying on that table. My hand uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't wave at you. My hand couldn't do anything. Amen. It, 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 it is dependent upon the arm that it is attached to. And although you may think the hand is so all important, listen, without the arm. And let me ask you this. What if you didn't have a brain to tell your hand what to do? We're all a part of the body of Christ and every part of the body is important and, and every part of the body is dependent upon every other part of the body. We're all needed in the body of Christ. Together we form the body. It's a privilege to care because when we care, we are actually representing Christ. We are helping his body to function and it's a privilege because we get to represent our church. Oh, Through caring, we get to represent our church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to of the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And verse 12 tells us what their purpose is. What is the job? What is the purpose of the full-time minister? Well, Paul tells us in verse number 12, he says their responsibility. Say their responsibility. The responsibility of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
So, according to the Apostle Paul, the pastors are to equip the saints, and the saints are to do the work of the ministry. See, in the modern-day church today, it's just, you know, we'll hire all the preachers and let them do all the ministry. No, no, it's not the job, and it's not that they're lazy. It's just that's not the way God set it up, and it's not going to, it's not going to be successful unless we do it God's way. And God's way is, is that the pastors, the leadership of the church, amen, they gather the people together, and they equip, they teach, they train, they equip the people to go out into the world and to do the work of the ministry. Caring for people is a privilege and not a burden. Because when you do the ministry of caring, you are actually representing Christ and his church. And hear me this morning. God has given me the leader, the spiritual overseer. I didn't call myself that. God did. God has given me the leader, the spiritual overseer of this church, the vision for this house. I didn't set that up. God did. And that vision that God gave to me is caring people, caring for people. And we endeavor to fulfill this vision by providing care for all of our people and by partnering with caring ministries around the world. And I want you to understand that we don't have two visions. We don't have five visions. We don't have 12 visions. And we don't have one vision today and a new one tomorrow. I challenge you today to capture our heart, to capture the, my heart, which my heart is the heart of God. And what's in my heart is what has been put in there by God for, to be the leader and overseer of this church. And so I challenge you to capture our heart. Let our vision, the vision of this house, let it become your vision. Now, our vision includes C groups, small groups of people who provide care and community. So I would ask you this morning, please consider joining a group. Please consider leading a group. Let's do life together because we are better together. In Acts chapter 6, I alluded to it a moment ago, the early church had grown to a place. They were so large that the pastors needed help. And so they appointed deacons. Notice that deacons were not representatives of the people to the pastor, but they were representatives of the pastor to the people. Most churches have that backwards. I'm not on a power trip. I just want this thing to work. And if it works, we got to do it God's way. The deacons were not representatives of the people to the pastor, but they are the representatives of the pastor to the people. Deacons were an extension of the ministry of the apostles. And let me say this this morning. You don't need a title or a position to be a biblical deacon. Now, to serve on our board, you need to be elected in a position. But to be a, a, a biblical deacon, you don't have to have that position. Amen. In fact, a lot of people, not in our church, but there are a lot of deacons around the world. They've got the position, but they don't have the ministry. They don't even understand their role. Deacons, biblical deacons, serve the vision of the man of the house. Deacons are an extension of the pastor's ministry. They carry his vision. They they serve his God-given vision. Caring is the vision of this house, and caring is the God-given vision of this pastor. 
Well, in this series, God wants to call, and I believe he wants to raise up some more errands in hers. Oh, who will hold up the hands of the man of God. He wants people to volunteer to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Listen, caring is a privilege because in caring, we get to represent both Christ and his church. Let me give you the third reason why caring is so important. The third reason is because it's a proof. Caring is a proof. It's a proof of what, Pastor? It's a proof of two things. First of all, it's a proof of true discipleship. Jesus said in John 13 and 35, Jesus says your love for one another will prove. Well, what? Jesus said your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You are my what? What's going to prove it? Jesus said the proof of true discipleship is that we love and care for one another. Listen, listen, it has nothing to do with steeples. It has nothing to do with crosses. It has nothing to do with hymn books. It has nothing to do with lights or no lights. It has nothing to do with contemporary or traditional. Jesus said that genuine love and caring was the proof of discipleship. So if you love one another and if you serve one another and you care for one another and you minister to one another, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So on the other hand, if you do not love, if you do not care, if you do not serve your brother or your sister in Christ, according to Jesus, you are not a disciple. Why is caring so important? It's, it's a proof. It's a proof of true discipleship and it's a proof of true Christian duty. James chapter 1 and verse 27 says, Pure and, and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James said that caring for the needs of others is our true Christian duty. See, see, Christianity should be much, much more than just showing up for church two or three times a month with your little critique sheet. Oops, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> Let me just say this this morning. There are far too many gifts, talents, and abilities going unused in the church. We already established the fact that we are the body of Christ and that each of us has a particular body part. Let me ask you this this morning. Listen, think about this. In our natural bodies, what would happen? What would happen if the eyes suddenly decided they no longer wanted to see? What would happen if our ears all of a sudden decided they no longer wanted to hear? I'm just tired of hearing. I need a break. What if our legs just decided, I don't want to walk. I don't want to take you anymore. Go, go on. See, get there. See how you can get there best you can. I'm tired. I don't want to walk anymore. I need a break. What if, what if our brain decided it didn't want to think? I think that's happening. <laughs> you think I'm talking about me, and I am, but I'm talking about, I'm going on this morning. Wow, I'm just really, really, I'm preaching on caring, and I'm really having a hard time being nice. <laughs> See, I told you, I'm the biggest mess of all. That's why I don't point a, you know, accusing finger at you. I got issues. You know it. That's why I need grace. That's why I need Jesus. 
See, if any one of our body parts decided to take a break or not function, listen, one, one malfunctioning body part could cripple or at least negatively affect the entire body. Casting crowns sang a song that said, if, if we are the body, if we are the body, they say, then, then why aren't his arms reaching? And why aren't his hands healing? And why aren't his words teaching? If we are the body, why, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Why is caring so important? Because it's a proof. It's a proof of true discipleship and true Christian duty. My question to you today is, who are you caring for? Who are you caring for? Our takeaway today is our text, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Two people are better than one, for they help each other. We are better together. Father, I just pray today that you will take this word, Lord, that Lord that you have placed in my heart today. God, I pray, Lord, that the people will catch the vision, catch the vision of this house. It's not my vision. God, it's your vision. God, I'm not cool enough to come up with such an awesome Awesome slogan and vision and statement like that. I, I, I can't do that. I don't, I don't have that ability. But God, it's your house. It's your ministry. Even as I, as I remind you nearly daily, God, this isn't my house. It's your house. Oh, God, one of my greatest Fears, and I don't like to even use the word fear, but would be to stand before you on judgment day. Not fulfilling my destiny. And I want you just to say, you did some good things. Thanks for doing some good things. I want you to say, you did what I called you to do. You did what I equipped you to do. You did what I gifted you to do. You didn't allow yourself to get pulled to the left or the right or this way or that way, but, but you sought my face, you heard my voice, and then you did everything in your power. Everything in your ability to continue to move forward in the direction that I was leading. I pray every prayer, every person would have that prayer today.